2: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
3: They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holliday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it's time for our strange news segment. This one, however, dear conspiracy realist, is going to be a little bit different because you see, we're recording this on Monday, October 5th. And for anyone who remembers what happened uh, this past weekend for us, uh, it was a roller coaster. Of a news cycle and one that continues as we record. The 45th president of the United States, President Donald J. Trump, has been confirmed uh, to have tested positive for the coronavirus for COVID 19. Being the commander in chief of a world superpower, it's safe to say he received treatment the average uh, Jane, John, or Joe American wouldn't normally get. Uh, As we record now, The president of the U.S. has just announced that he will be leaving Walter Reed, the medical facility where he's been for this weekend, uh, and he'll be returning to the White House. But so much strange news happened leading up to this announcement uh, that we want to dedicate uh, the majority of our strange news segment to this bizarre story that still has a lot of questions left unanswered. Would you guys say that's about the size of it? I would say so.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we're talking about on October 2nd when there was a tweet that went out from the president's Twitter account that said that uh, the president and the first lady had both tested positive, right? And that's kind of what set off a whole, just a whole series of events. And it was immediately following, almost immediately following the first presidential debate for the election of 2020. So it was just, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, what it means for you know the rest of all of the events that are going to be happening for the presidential election 2020, and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's already a lot of consequences for people who are close to to the president's reelection campaign. So yeah, let, let's get into it. Like, what do you what do you want to talk about first with regards to to this happening?
3: Well, maybe let's talk about the timeline. Uh, what we do and don't know about how how the president was confirmed and how uh, various members of his party or people he had interacted with were confirmed positive first. So we know that one of the president's closest advisors, one Hope Hicks, was stated to have symptoms like indicative of uh, coronavirus before the president was confirmed to have it, but the president was in close contact with Hicks during a rally in Minnesota, right? It was during that event that this occurred. This is interesting because it ties into um, it ties into something that's, that's pretty distressing. Uh, we had talked a little bit off air. Uh, Matt, you had mentioned the presidential debate, the first one between former Vice President Joe Biden and current President Donald Trump. Uh, when was that again?
2: That was on September 29th. 2020. That was in Cleveland.
3: And it was the uh, first presidential debate held during the age of the pandemic. Uh, During this time, uh, the moderator was Chris Wallace. That's going to be familiar to a lot of people. Uh, During this time, the well, the debate was divisive. Uh, No surprise to anybody who watched it. Uh, There was not too much discussion of actual policy during the uh, the length of the debate. But we know behind the scenes there was a, um, a regimen and policies instituted that required, in theory, everybody to get tested for COVID and to have a negative test before they participated in or attended the debate. But members of uh, Donald Trump's traveling party, including Trump himself, apparently did not arrive in time to take that test. So it's an open question at this point. Uh, when Trump did contract COVID.
0: That's right. It was uh, Chris Wallace, the uh, moderator, um, confirmed that and said they were going by the quote unquote honor system.
2: Yeah. And it's a weird thing, too, because, you know, we're talking about the outdoor campaign rally where Hope Hicks started feeling unwell when returning from that event. And that was on September 30th, the day after the presidential debate. So perhaps that's where. Contact occurred with the president you'd have to speculate all this stuff and there's really no I don't know how good it is For us to imagine like well, how did he get it? When did he get it? Who was Mm -hmm. it? Until we get into the more conspiratorial stuff, which then you know, we're gonna probably hit here just in a few minutes, but about was he purposefully Infected was this a PR <laughs> thing? There's all kinds of. Did it really it. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of things that we're going to discuss. But uh, yeah, we, we don't really know, you know, if he was infected or not because he didn't get to take that test.
0: That's right. At the very least, though, we do know that he knew that he had been in contact with someone who tested positive and can continued on with business as usual. You know, there was an event where they nominated a Fisher. or They put forth the nominee for the Supreme Court. Amy Coney Barrett, and at this Ooh. event, which I believe was in the the lawn of the
3: White House the or Rose the Rose Garden, Garden. yeah, mm-hmm. the Rose Garden
0: massacre. You sure do see a whole lot of hugging and schmoozing and, and non-mask wearing folks, um, and of course Trump himself was there. And that's sort of the event that seems to have led to a whole slew of infections within Trump's inner circle and uh, and White House staffers, and also some press folks that are in what's called mm-hmm. the pool folks that track Trump's movement and are, you know get the briefings about when he's going somewhere so they can kind of follow follow suit and get the coverage
3: yeah it's drawn comparisons to the infamous red wedding which is an excellent spoiler for song of ice and fire game of thrones Yeah. At this point, as we record this, uh, Monday, October 5th, we know that there are at least 12, I want to say, 12 confirmed uh, COVID cases that are in some way related to that event at the Rose Garden. But again, as you said, Matt, it's tough to pin down exactly when someone was infected and when they knew they were infected. You have to walk back and do a little bit of uh, calendrical and uh, chronological research. But right now we know that uh, the the recently affected people in close communication in this pod, if you will, include people like uh, Kellyanne Conway, uh, who <laughs> who hid the I'm laughing because it's just a terrible thing to do to your kid who hid the uh, results uh, from her daughter and her daughter believes that uh, her mother infected her. Hope Hicks, we mentioned senior advisor. Ronna McDaniel, uh, chairwoman for the RNC, Republican National Committee, Uh, Trump's campaign manager, uh, Melania Trump, the first lady, which makes sense because that would be the person who's in the closest contact with the president. Uh, Senators Mike Lee from Utah and Tom Tillis from North Carolina who are both members of the Judiciary Committee, which goes into play with uh, some of the stuff we're talking about with SCOTUS, uh, and then at least three members of the White House Press Corps. Uh, I believe that a couple of other people are suspected of possibly contracting COVID, but have uh, refused to take a test or refused to disclose those results. And really, you know, if you think about it, there's not any law saying that they have to.
0: No, not yet. Right.
3: Not yet. Not yet.
2: No. Did, did you mention Chris Christie already? Sorry, no, I we didn't. That. Good mention. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who, who has been hospitalized and is also mm-hmm. highly at risk? You know, for for weight yeah. and age factors, in the same way the president is. And uh, do we Nick Luna, the personal aide,
2: Trump's right. personal aide? That's right. Like mm-hmm. it, it's rough the way this virus really just goes through groups of people um, who are not taking precautions, and it's still mind blowing to me. That there's debate about whether or not this thing is even real, you know? Um, maybe it's not. I mean, I know it's not so much debate about whether it's real. It's debate about the severity of it. It's debate about how it came to be, why it came to mm-hmm. be. Um, and we've talked about a lot of that stuff previously on the show. I'm, I I, think the mind-blowing part is that people aren't taking it seriously at all in a lot of places where I've been recently because I've had to do some mm-hmm. minor car travel, uh, but mm-hmm. not nothing intense. But just, you know, showing up in a place and realizing, oh, wow, you know, in Atlanta, it doesn't feel very safe in a lot of places in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. But you go a little bit further out of from the city and it just feels like nobody either cares or, or defiant or being defiant of the fear, I guess, in a way. Right.
3: Yeah, I, I feel you. I went off the grid briefly uh, a few weeks ago. It was very much a different world. I, I suggest that anybody who was planning to take International travel or something. If you live in the U.S., uh, take a drive, take the back roads. Be safe, um, because you will see you you will see a very different uh, world. Especially if you live like the majority of the U.S. population in a large urban center, it's it's worth it. We have to realize that a lot of people aren't getting hit if they are in a very isolated area. We also have to realize, you know. Um, that that reaction of that something is being overblown is a very natural and understandable reaction because the fatality rate of COVID versus the um, infection rate of COVID, right? It's, it's pretty small. It's not like you have a 50-50 chance of dying, right? but you still have a chance of dying. And it's just very easy for people, unless they personally know someone who has passed away from this, or has been, you know, crippled in some way for the rest of their life. It's very easy to say, "Well, this is just the flu," and this is a culture of fear. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. I, I think it's just, it's one of those things. Where you think about, you think about our our sitting president right now. Like he is at very much, he is at high risk of getting it. To he's at high risk of having very adverse effects from it. Right. Like a lot of people on this planet. And just because you aren't, you know, maybe super vulnerable to being harmed by this virus, um, it doesn't mean that there aren't people in your immediate family or immediate group, even neighbors or people that just go to the same grocery store as you aren't, um, wouldn't be very much damaged by this thing. So it's just, I don't know. Anybody out there who's listening, who's still like thinking about, well, maybe it's, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm just gonna keep living life regularly. I would just ask to please think about the people that maybe you don't even know personally that are around you that could die from this, even if you can't.
3: That's well said. That's well said, man. It, it, it's troubling. It's the tragedy of the commons. You know, I would point out that to, uh, as of oh, what October. 3rd, Third, the U.S. just recorded the most daily COVID-19 infections in nearly two months. So it's not on decline. Maybe in like three states it's in decline. That's it. So
0: back to the timeline, just briefly. So on October 2nd is when that tweet came out from Trump saying that he and FLOTUS had tested positive for COVID-19. Prior to that, he had tweeted on October 1st, the day before, that Hope Hicks had tested positive. And then just leading up to that in the few days before he had uh, not only attended the, the debate um, and that Rose garden ceremony, but he also had um, attended a campaign event where there's actually footage of him like throwing hats out, like make America great again, hats out into is the audience,
3: Minnesota or is that yeah, in
0: Duluth, like, Minnesota. Yeah. And so, so you know, there's a lot about. of speculation that that could have potentially been, a super spreader event because, you know, understandably, no, not understandably, no, not at all. Uh, The timeline is very sketchy, and they're not really releasing uh, detailed information about when they knew what they knew, which to me seems like there's something to hide. Um, It sure seems like he knew when Hope Hicks tested positive and then chose to maybe not have her travel with him but continued to travel and do these events, um, you know, where he was interacting with folks largely. Mm. unmasked uh, in in the
3: crowd. Like Mm. October 1st when he attended that Bedminster, New Jersey fundraiser, Uh, which stinks, you know, uh, because again, we have to be fair, we don't know, we don't know when uh, the president and first lady realized they were positive other than that self-report on October 2nd, but still regardless of who knew what when imagine paying for one of those fundraisers, a pain to attend a fundraiser in Bedminster, New Jersey. Those things are expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and what, yeah. you're pay, what you're paying for, it's not the hors d'oeuvres, it's not the coca vein or whatever. You're paying for access to power, which means you're paying to talk to someone who might very well have COVID, which means you're paying for a chance to get COVID-19, a very good chance. I don't think that's what they uh, meant to buy.
2: What, what is coca vein?
3: Oh, I'm it mispronouncing it because ch- I'm not
2: French. Coco co- co- vin.
0: It's co-
3: chicken co- with wine.
2: Yeah. It's basically oh. in, with a great wine sauce. Yeah, yeah it's delicious. I, I highly recommend it. I thought you were doing a play on cocaine. Uh, oh, sorry, no, that's my
3: no, fault. Okay. cocaine. No, <laughs> di- di- two different
0: dishes. Uh, yeah.
3: Different uh that's a, I'm sure it's a different timeline for different people. But uh okay. but yeah, so now now we know on the same day that you reported this, that tweet came very early in the morning, 12.54 a.m., when he tweeted about the positive test. Uh, And then later that day, that's when Senator Mike Lee of Utah reported. And then on the same day, officials in Cleveland said they could trace at least 11 different positive COVID-19 results to preparations for the debate, which is kind of a, could mean a lot of things because a lot of people are involved in a presidential debate. Check out our... um, was it? Commission on Presidential Debates and uh, Federal Election Commission stuff. Uh, but I want to fast forward to October, to later in that day, October 2nd, uh, the, the president's team was saying that he was experiencing, quote, mild symptoms as he was flown to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. That's one of the top healthcare care uh, facilities in the world, by
0: the way. And uh, we also have conflicting reports from his doctors um, where they indicated that he hadn't been getting supplemental oxygen and that he was, again, like you said, been experiencing mild symptoms. We then saw some reversals of that uh, and the um, explanation being it was a matter of bedside manner or a matter of accentuating the positive, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. in an effort to not exacerbate the condition by stressing the president out. I'm, I'm a little confused. The the, the doctor, it, you'll have to help me with his name guys um, that, that made the statement uh, sort of justified why he maybe said something that was a little misleading. And it was something along those lines to like push forth the positive narrative and the hopes that like positive thinking would help cure the president. I'm, I was a little taken aback and confused by that logic.
3: Yeah. The positive outlook, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Twitter fame was made by uh, people pointing out the very careful language the guy used when asked for uh, when it's Doctor Sean Conley, by the way. Mm-hmm. When Sean Conley was asked about uh, treatment, was asked about the president's condition, you know, vital vital information. Uh, he he said that he was attempting to share an upbeat outlook.
0: That's right. Yeah.
3: I don't want to call it spin in the medical profession, but there is, uh, there are a few key phrases that can let you know people are trying to think positive, but nothing's really changed. In just in average day-to-day life, not in the life of world leaders, but one of those is if you see a report that says someone is in good spirits. That means that they're psychologically still ready to fight whatever medical condition they may have, but that there may not be a strong physiological change unless otherwise indicated.
2: I, I think the thing that I remember, what's it, What's his name, Sean Con- Conley? Conley, Conley. Yes. I remember him stating on the 3rd, uh, specifically on October 3rd, the day after that we learned about the, the president's diagnosis, that the president had been dealing with symptoms or had been infected for 72 hours, I think, he said at that time, mm. which would... Put it back to, what is that, the 31st of September? Um, right. So, I mean, it's just, it's doesn't really matter. But, I mean, it matters for all the people that he was around, right? Uh, very mm-hmm. much so. But, um, again, it's like conflicting information from authority figures who are supposed to give us the skinny on something. That's when problems arise, right? That's a big theme of this show. Right. <laughs> when the When the adults... Don't give us the the truth or walk mm. around it on purpose for one reason or another. Mm. Um, what what I do want to talk about here, I don't know if you uh, want to talk about it later. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we can talk about it when we come back. I really want to bring up
0: these antibody cocktails and all uh, the things oh yeah. that yes. the yeah, president got. Well, it's to pretty, your point, Ben, about getting long. that what I've seen referred to as VIP treatment. Um, which actually can sometimes not be a good thing the because ID it's
3: syndrome. You mean Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well yeah. For,
0: for sure. But I mean, it's this idea that they're going to throw the kitchen sink at a, you know, a high profile person like this, possibly throwing caution to the wind with things that are maybe experimental or they don't know the full impact of interactions with these things. And I've heard that the cocktail that he's on, he's the first person that's ever been given all of these things at the same time. And some folks are looking at this as, Oh, He definitely has an advanced case of this or a a severe case of this because of Mm -hmm. the treatment that he's receiving. But it could also be that because he is who he is, the doctors are just like, you know, just using a a spray and pray effect, you know, or they're just trying to, like, do it all, throw it all at him and see what happens in the hopes that something will take, you know.
3: Medicinal spaghetti against the wall, right? Yeah, you know, let's dive into that. Let's uh, pause for a word from our sponsors and uh, come back and l- let's go all the way in. let's let's see what's happening here.
2: Terminix it.
3: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
2: That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today.
3: And we have returned. So we're we're looking at a big badger in the bag here, which is that yes, there is inequality in the US healthcare system. And as a matter of fact, in the case of a president, there's a very good argument to be made that the commander in chief should have the best health care possible, regardless of how you feel about the individual occupying that position, that role is something that should never be left in a vacuum. So this gives us um, this gives us a couple of things to dive down into. Uh, first, I think maybe we talk about some of the drugs that he was administered and has been given, uh, maybe why he was given those. Uh, VIP syndrome, by the way, is not the doctor's fault. VIP syndrome is when an important person Demands excess treatment because you know they're scared or they they want that experiment that 's why uh, someone who is a billionaire with uh, inoperable cancer can pull strings in clinical trials, and a poor person with inoperable cancer is uh, often unfortunately left to their own devices uh, but but you're right noel uh, and you're right Matt. The President of the United States received uh f- Above and beyond what would be the typical COVID-19 treatment, especially uh, the typical COVID-19 treatment for someone with mild symptoms, as they were described. So I think maybe, maybe we start with uh, dexamethasone, the steroid. Right. right? As, as we record this, the president is on steroids, which I never thought I'd say on air, but yeah, here we are.
2: 22. Hey, man, I, I've been on steroids
0: before for things.
3: You know, just hey, to, get, come on.
2: To,
0: to get swole, you know? I mean, look at
3: No, you. no, no. I'm steroids.
2: joking. No, it's a very
0: common thing. It's a thing yeah. they give you if you go and you have, like, the flu or if you have, you know, an Poison inflammatory... <laughs> also true, but if you have an inflammatory situation where maybe they, the, the first thing they do is they give you a steroid and they give you a pack, you know, which is that highly over-prescribed uh, uh, antibiotic that's a discussion in and of itself, but th- they, they tend to pair that with a steroid, like prednisone or something. But this is a little different, but still pretty common, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, yeah. And one tricky part of this, one tricky part of dexamethasone is that we've been seeing a lot of conflicting reports about when someone should be administered this in the case of COVID-19, you'll see some medical professionals who say, well, we don't really give that to people unless they're already on a ventilator or something mm. like that, right? Very frightening stuff. But uh, what we have to realize is that right now, there are uh, there are medical facilities that are approaching things in slightly different ways. That's not a ding on any of those places. It's just maybe some of their protocols differ from one institution to another, right? So, uh, so saying, uh, making a conclusive claim about when a drug is or isn't administered can be tricky. Water uh, with this uh, being said, of course, a lot of people who are uh, who consider themselves opponents of the current president were pointing out their own anecdotal experiences having this steroid uh, in their system. Because some of the side effects are uh, are cognitive or can be cognitive. So there are people who are arguing, you know, I remember I had to take not even this steroid. I had to take some sort of steroid and I was crazy for, you know, days. Uh, and anecdotally or experientially, that may be true, but it doesn't mean that it's true for everyone in every case. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
0: I, well, yeah, and it, it applies With a lot of this stuff, you know, everyone's different and everyone is affected differently by medications and also by uh, the coronavirus itself.
3: And here's the problem again, we're not medical professionals personally, or, you know, Doc Holiday, codenamed Doc Holiday, does have a bit of a sketchy past. So maybe, uh, maybe you were, (laughs) you were, uh, you were a doc. uh, So maybe you were a medical doctor as well in in the past there, Doc, which now that I Mm. think about it. Hmm. Mm, okay, let's talk about that off here. But, but uh, one, of the, one of the things you noted about dexamethasone is that many medical professionals, many, many are saying that dexamethasone is something that has shown promise for critically ill COVID-19 patients but yeah. may actually harm people who have less severe cases of COVID-19. That's right. That's, that, that's a fact. So that makes you wonder. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
0: For sure. Hence the throw everything at the wall approach, you know, and see what sticks. But also it it could potentially be a bad thing. Um, And, you know, you never know. A guy like Trump could – he's got such clout. He could insist, you know, even against doctor's wishes perhaps. In the same way that he insisted to be let out to do a motorcade drive-by to some of his supporters outside Walter Reed, you know, which I'm sure would have been uh, discouraged by an attending physician, but yet he was able to do that. You know, he's the president of the United States. They can't tell him what to do. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, And, you know, we've talked about the fact that this was in a hermetically sealed uh, presidential motorcade SUV, you know, with the president wearing a cloth mask and waving to these supporters, and and uh, two Secret Service agents wearing those, um, the more protective N95 masks. But even that seems a little sketchy to for a photo op to uh, put those Secret Service agents' lives at risk. Uh, I, I, and that, that struck me a little, a little odd.
3: Well, yeah. yeah.
2: Guys, I want to talk about Regeneron. No oh, good. And cocktails of
3: antibodies mm-hmm. and what the heck mm-hmm. that is It sounds is. like Invigoron from Always Sunny, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But it's real it Regeneron. It's a, it's okay. Let's go so, yeah. for it, man.
2: Well, so it's an antibody. I love that they keep calling it a cocktail. It's a it's a combination of things essentially that goes into you the way i I'm assuming actually I never saw it on here whether or not it's a syringe. Or not. It just says eight gram let me see this, eight gram dose of Regeneron's experimental antibody
3: mm-hmm. cocktail. And swag directly to the armpits. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I was on their website a little bit trying to go through some of the PR statements, and my goodness, pharma pharmaceutical PR is not something you want to get lost in. Um, but, but you know, they're in clinical trials. As of October, no, September 29th, they were going through clinical trials and running tests on people. There were COVID-19 patients who were not hospitalized. That's specifically what these clinical trials were were testing. And again, it seems to be, or the purpose of it, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, appears to be, to help people whose body's immune systems are not readily fighting back against the infection and the virus, this cocktail assists the human body's immune system to essentially recognize uh, what they need to fight and to invigorate them to fight the viral infection itself.
0: Which is interesting considering that the purpose of dexamethasone is actually to somewhat suppress the immune system um, to keep it from releasing these substances that can trigger inflammation. Um, so I, I, it's a little confusing why those things would be administered at the same time. But again, not mm-hmm. not medical professionals here. Um, it, it's 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 a little odd, and you know, and I've seen uh, other doctors not connected directly to the treatment saying as much.
3: Yeah, okay. and, and there's a there's a dangerous thing there. Uh, that happens when people have multiple drugs administered, Uh, you start treating at times side effects of uh, a drug you took earlier. You know what Mm. I mean? So Mm. you have one condition and you end up taking four treatments for it uh, because maybe one is just to treat the nausea from another treatment, right? Or one is to uh, uh, bring your blood pressure back to a normal level because of what happens to your blood pressure due to another treatment. So it those kind of um, interacting effects can be incredibly dangerous if you're not closely monitored. One thing I think that's standing out for a lot of people in this story, uh, regardless of how you feel about uh, the lethality of COVID-19 or the degree to which people should be concerned about it, you'll notice one thing. Nobody can walk into a store and buy Regeneron. Their tests were the the, the RGN-CoV-2 antibody cocktail that we're talking about. Uh, as you said, Matt, it was in a trial with 1,000 or less people meeting these specific criteria. So If you're not one of those people, you're not supposed to be able to get it. However, in answer to the question, how did uh, the POTUS, President of the United States, end up having this drug, uh, the answer is this. Regeneron, and this is from their side too, so uh, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals has two ways of distributing this drug right now. The first is the clinical trial Avenue. And the second is what is called uh, compassionate use.
2: Yes. A compassionate Mm. use request,
3: meaning that um, I am someone, I have a loved one who has COVID and things are getting dire. We've tried other things, they have not worked. Based on what we understand of this drug and uh, the clinical trials, we want to ask you in an emotional appeal to provide this outside of a clinical trial to our patient to our loved one and that is the avenue that was used for the president of the united states at least so far as we know now
0: and just just yeah. a quick quick note there are two companies involved in in making this uh, cocktail uh, regeneron pharmaceuticals and also a company called gilead uh pharmaceuticals and there's another version of the drug i believe that Gilead is making that's called remdesivir that mm-hmm. you've probably heard bandied about a little bit too i thought it was the same thing but uh maybe listeners could correct me if i'm wrong maybe maybe the uh maybe i'm misunderstanding there
2: well it's getting a bit confusing with with the various reporting that's coming out and how rapidly it came out, right? I mean, right. All, all of this reporting happened at once. and just went boom, 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 boom. It was a huge shock to the system to have the president diagnosed. So uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're learning as we go.
3: And we are learning along with, make no mistake, many, many other people the world is watching uh, right now because a vacuum in the U.S. power system uh, no matter how brief, is an enormous opportunity to enemies. Uh, sounds pretentious to say it, but it's true, to enemies for and domestic. It is so true. Uh, one thing I do want to know, another, uh, another story about these two companies, Regeneron and Gilead. Uh, I don't know if that was named on purpose uh, for fans of The Handmaid's Tale, but there we are, that's the name. Uh, <laughs> President Trump reportedly owns some stock own some stake in both of those companies, which I mentioned because uh, they had a 10% jump, at least Regeneron did recently, uh, due to their involvement in this case and additionally uh, you can't help but think it helped that compassionate use uh, request get to the very top of the list because I'm sure there have been a lot of people who were well, I assume there have been a lot of people who were turned down
0: Yeah.
3: Well, we, we,
0: we know the way a lot of these contract vetting situations work. There was a story uh, on John Oliver on uh, Last Week Tonight recently about the company that went uh, that got the contract for building the wall um, you know, between Mexico and the United States. And it was apparently someone who had kind of appealed to Trump's love of Fox News by repeatedly appearing on Fox News, talking about how his company would be a great fit for this job. And then ultimately Trump went with this individual because there is some personal ability to... To choose these uh, these contractors. Not to say this isn't. This is obviously a private company that's doing this, and this is for the commercial pharmaceutical market. But that's a question I have for you guys. I mean, is this a government contract with these two companies, or are they just is purely commercial and them just being the ones that are furthest along in the research and kind of getting first to market with something that's
3: obviously going to be hugely. Uh, lucrative. So, at least one of the companies does have a government contract. Regeneron got a $450 million federal contract back in July to manufacture that antibody cocktail, REGN Cove 2.
2: Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to have to call investor relations. Uh,
3: (laughs) yeah. Um, Theoretically, it can get a little sticky. There can be a lot of preferential treatment based on campaign donations, etc. cetera, insider trading. But here, one would hope that the primary deciding factor for a contract would be the likelihood of creating a scalable, effective treatment. That, that's, again, that's what one would hope would happen. Some analysts at a place called SV Learink. Pointed out something that I had not thought of earlier in respect to these drugs. They said both uh, the company, Regeneron, and the White House's medical staff are likely to have much to have access to much more information about this treatment, REGN-COV2, than has been publicly disclosed. So it's not necessarily stuff they don't want you to know yet, but it's stuff that the average person doesn't know, which probably, you know. Definitely, I would say, tilted their their decision because you want, uh, again, you want a cognizant, healthy president, especially if you're looking at a possible transfer of power, which is happening so soon, which makes this so irregular. So there are going to be updates on the drugs, on how they were administered, whether they end up with the public, what their ultimate Uh, efficacy was or was not and that news may come out before this episode publishes we just wanted to give you a background of some of what's happening now and what has recently happened why are we harping on the part about how important it is to have someone healthy and alive in the role of commander-in-chief of the united states Hmm. well it's not an idea that the four or five of us had on this show. It's a very, very old idea. It was all the way back to something called the 25th Amendment. And we'll talk about that after a word from our sponsor. $25 each
2: visit LiveNation.com concertweek slash to buy
0: now. That's LiveNation.com concertweek slash to buy now.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position
2: terminix it
3: visit terminix.com to book your appointment online today
2: that's t-e-r-m-i-n-i-x dot com to book online today
3: and we've returned so uh I, I i hope that we're doing a pretty fair job laying out kind of what has happened so far what are the questions what are the concerns Now we're, of course, as we said, we're recording this end media rests in the middle Mm -hmm. of the story, so things can change, Um, and we'll do our best to follow up with updates. But when we last left you, uh, we were talking a little bit about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. The Twenty Fifth Amendment is very important. It's a thing that you may have heard, sort of flittering around the headlines. Pre-COVID, flitting around the headlines just every so often, uh, it is a pretty young amendment in terms of you know in relation to the other amendments. It deals with the problem of presidential succession in the case of disability, so it, it clarifies that the vice president becomes president if the serving president does some of the following things: they die, they resign, they're removed from office. And we've, we've seen this invoked before when Nixon resigned, right? Yep. That was invoked. Uh, and then the appointment of Nelson Rockefeller fell under the 25th Amendment. Uh, Ronald Reagan underwent a colonoscopy in 1985, and they had already invoked uh, Section 3 of the 25th Amendment. So it's happened before. You know what I mean? It's not like a crazy space-age-into-the-world constitutional crisis, but it's a, danger, it, it, it's a dangerous game, you know, because imagine you're the president of the U.S. You have an operation, and you go under for that operation. Someone administers anesthesia. And what if during that period of just a few hours when you're out, A nuclear exchange occurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what happens? The president is out. Yeah,
2: exactly. President, president's under. (laughs) What are you gonna do? It's really fascinating. Just your you mentioned Section Three. It's just it's fascinating that when that occurs, the president has to uh, submit essentially something in written, the declaration that this is happening, and declaring that the vice president is now in power until I write to you again and say that no, I'm back.
0: Are there yeah. like? Do you think they're like temporary nuke codes or something that get shared? Like I don't know. I'm wondering like who has all that proprietary information? Does the VP have all the same info as the president? All the same access? It seems like it would have to be temporarily handed over to him uh, in some way. That's interesting. I don't know. The football
3: changes yeah. hands
2: for a couple hours.
3: Nuclear football. Hmm. Well, the way um, the way I believe it's laid out uh, requires multiple parties in the government to interact at least even if the call is even if the call is the president's you still have to have multiple people in the chain actually deploying weapon Uh, I don't I think we can all agree no one should tr- ever trust any single individual <clears throat> <laughs> with a with a suitcase such that they could just, whatever they want, send nukes. That seems really weird. I,
0: I hope it's one of those situations like in the movies where everyone has to turn a key at the same exact the same time, time, you know, and enter the codes and, and all that. I mean, that's that's how and, I'm picturing it, at
3: least. And crack a code book, like, snap, and then Delta Alpha Niner. Bravo, tequila. uh Gazanga. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I don't remember the codes. Yeah. Habanero. Uh, so, well, that's a patriot. Anyway, <laughs> so it's different. Uh, so another example, just to show you how free— This is a weird thing to me. So Reagan got a colonoscopy, right? That's the 25th Amendment. The colonoscopy, it turns out, is like a uh, a driving force for the 25th Amendment. Uh, June 29th, 2002, mm-hmm. uh, George W. Bush— uh, invoked Section Three, transferring power to Dick Cheney for a colonoscopy,
2: temporarily, right?
3: Temporarily, right. not not Is for it, the rest of the time. The twenty fifth or the colonoscopy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was they were both temporary. He got a he uh, transferred power again on two thousand seven, June twenty first, during wait for it. A second colonoscopy. The man likes his colonoscopies, you
2: know? Well, I mean, he's being safe, guys. Gotta, I know. I you gotta know. take Just precautions. I'm teasing.
3: And he likes his continuation of government. So the, the question that has come up a lot recently is you know, the president is in the hospital. Uh, should, we, should we prepare? Yeah. Uh, for for continuation of government. And for some people, uh, you know, it's completely understandable that that would be seen as a uh, an alarmist move, right? For supporters of the president, of course, that conjures the specter of a possible coup or something like right. that. Uh, but just to be clear, the way that the 25th Amendment works, uh, it doesn't really skip steps. It goes yeah. through the vice president. So, Even if there were, for some reason, a situation wherein the current president of the U.S. was rendered unable to do their duties. Now, that's a big term, and a lot of conditions fit inside that term. Uh, If they were temporarily or permanently unable to, the powers devolve to the vice president Mm -hmm. under the 25th Amendment.
0: But it has to be invoked by the president himself or themselves?
3: There are a couple of different ways for it to happen. Section three is specifically presidential declaration.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's when the president knows something's coming up. I'm going to get surgery, et cetera.
0: Yeah. But yeah. surely if, you know, yes, that makes absolute sense. But if there was a situation where he was in a car accident and maybe ended up in a coma, there would have to be a way to invoke that officially through other channels if he was yeah. not able to do it himself. Section, himself.
2: Four, section four talks about how the VP and Congress can work together to essentially say the president cannot uh, uphold office. At this particular juncture, Gotta guys, make. guys, I'm getting, I have such a clear image of Dick Cheney going into the Oval Office one day and saying, mm, "George, I'm gonna need you to get a colonoscopy on the 25th at 3 p.m." <laughs> he's like, "What? Well, wh- why, man? Just do it."
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, he's like. Trust me.
3: <laughs> gotta, gotta have a little bit of an underbite, a little bit of a prognathic job. Oh my God. I'm go, go, that Christian Bale Cheney. I know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Us.
3: Yeah. So you're right. There, there are um, four sections, essentially. First one is president has died, president resigns. Automatically, vice president, you're in. You got mm-hmm. tapped. Uh, and then second would be uh, a vice presidential vacancy. So, Whenever there is a vacancy for any reason in the role of the vice president, then the president says, I want this person to be my vice president, my new VP. And there has to be a majority vote, both houses of Congress for that to go through. The third is the president saying, I am... Unable to do the powers and duties in my office, maybe even temporarily. So vice president's going to step in for me. And then the fourth is just what you described, Matt, the VP and what are called principal officers step in. Yeah, yeah, And that's the controversial one.
2: Yeah. Within here, there is a real... I can't remember if they covered any of this stuff on House of Cards. I think they did. Some of it, at least. But the concept that if the vice president can no longer be the vice president, then somebody... Can swoop in and it doesn't require any kind of election at all, just needs the House, the it needs Congress to say yes.
3: That's yeah, that's the vote. The American people don't get a vote on that one. Uh, which is well, I guess the argument people would say is that they do get a vote because their congressional representatives represent them. Which is true in theory. It's true in theory, but a lot of things are true in theory. Okay, so this is the situation we've touched on so much stuff that sounds conspiratorial, uh, but we have yet to talk about the actual conspiracy theories, the actual conspiratorial thought. How crazy is it that when that announcement came out in the wee hours of early October from the president's own Twitter account, let's leave alone whether or not he actually wrote that one A lot of politicians have a team writing their tweets. When that came out, how crazy is it that so many people thought it was a hoax? Yeah,
0: crazy, but also not super crazy. I mean, there's a a really great article that just came out today on The New York Times. The headline is Trump's COVID news meets a landscape primed for mistrust. And that rings true in, in so many ways because the whole idea of fake news, the whole idea of Little white lies and and bigger lies and perhaps how truthful the president of this administration has been about certain things and the idea of kind of subverting reality in in a lot of ways, you know, what we know to be Objectively true things um, is is very much a product of what we're going through right now uh, with social media, with the idea of uh, these conspiracy theories like QAnon, with the way so many of these things have really been leaned in and been been so divisive between the left and the right and moderates and extremists on both sides of of, uh, of this administration, you know, politically. And um, the the little kind of blurb, uh, the I guess abstract for this article is a president who rose to fame in business and on TV and in politics on an archipelago of exaggerations finds himself facing a public skeptical of his account of his own health. Uh, And and that sort of sums it up where at the end of the day, it's easy whether you support Trump or against Trump as to where you fall on this, you know? And there's a a bevy of, you know, theories that are already coming out in just a very short amount of time um, on both sides of this. And uh, there is... Uh, You know, let's go with the most extreme lefty type dude you could ever imagine, Michael Moore, who very quickly floated this idea on his Facebook page that Trump's coronavirus diagnosis was a fake in order to help him rally folks around him, dodge uh, the debate, dodge the debate. Perhaps uh, elicit some sympathy in some respects. Um, Whether or not that is even an effective tactic, even if that was the case, is certainly up for debate. Um, Why? Why? Why would he dodge the debate?
3: Uh, I can field this one. Uh, Yeah, Matt, because uh, one of the primary criticisms of the debates from multiple observers uh, is is that they did not adhere to the rules of the debate like the 2 un- uninterrupted minutes they made such yeah. a big deal about uh so the idea and this largely comes from supporters of the president's opponent in the upcoming election uh former VP Joe Biden the idea there was that uh the Trump campaign floated uh like like floated the first debate, see how people react. And when people reacted adversely to the president's performance, they were able to take out their back pocket insurance policy, which was COVID. I'm not saying this makes sense to me, Uh, Because given the um, past behavior of the administration in relation to this infection, it seems like really shooting oneself in the foot, unless the calculus is to create some sort of similar situation similar to that of Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, who encountered a groundswell of support from some sectors when he survived COVID-19.
0: That's right, Ben, and I've certainly seen that perspective brought up, the Boris Johnson comparison, but then I've also seen that, you know, his his approval ratings quickly tanked and he is very unpopular, <laughs> Boris Johnson in the UK um, currently. And, and, and if this was a thing and this was, you know, he did get that groundswell, it was only in some sectors and not like overwhelmingly everyone all, all of a sudden felt sympathy for this man. Um, so that would be a very risky move. And I tend to not think this is a thing. Um, I think given all the other confirmations of people contracting it uh, in proximity to the president, it absolutely Absolutely, rings true that this is absolutely a true diagnosis. Um, the question is the severity. Uh, the uh, subterfuge surrounding his treatment. There was even a photo op that was organized of him signing uh, supposedly a document or a piece of legislation or something Mm -hmm. uh, that was staged Um, there. There are behind the scenes photos showing that it was a blank piece of paper of him in the presidential suite of Walter Reed, which is a thing. And it's made to very much look like the Oval Office. There's flags behind him and he's sitting at a desk with no tie on. Um, and then his daughter, Ivanka, tweeted out uh, that, hey, you, he's unstoppable. He's invincible. Nothing will stop him from working for the American people. And this image of him signing this paper. But then there's a close-up showing that there's nothing on the paper but him signing yeah. Sharpie.
3: That's not behind the scenes. That's just zooming in on the photo. No, you're right. You're totally to be, right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> there, are two, uh, there are two photos. Yahoo News, I believe, dug into the metadata of those photos. And it seems they were taken 10 minutes apart mm-hmm. or so. Got gotcha. you, uh, which well, uh, mm. I, I, they were saying that they were at Walter Reed, though I don't think they were trying to mislead people by saying it was at the White oh, House. Oh, absolutely not. Really? I just think it's interesting
0: okay. how it looks. You know, the idea of a presidential suite at Walter Reed obviously makes sense, oh, yeah. Yeah. but it's a it's an interesting concept, one that I'd never really thought about. But yeah, it very much looks like a very fancy uh, type of office situation. You know, with a with a big you know fancy presidential desk. Um, so, so that's one, uh, and that's absolutely confirmed that, that the metadata thing you said is absolutely true. Um, there is an article on the BBC that kind of goes through and, and confirms somewhat and debunks many of these theories surrounding what might or might not be, be happening with, with the president.
2: Well, I'll tell you one that I, I saw Nolan, let me know if you read anything about this. Uh, the concept I mentioned earlier, the concept that, the president was purposefully infected by someone from the opposition uh and it was a very purposeful thing it was done during the pre- the first presidential debate of 2020 that happened in september wow
0: um, i don't I don't think i've seen that one matt
2: well well that was that was i mean it seems to be a baseless rumor at this point at least i've seen no evidence Ooh. in any way concerning this, but it was tweeted out by a lot of people to hundreds of thousands of other people who then tweeted it out. Um, And again, it was just, it was very vague. It was just saying, you know, this was done purposefully to infect the president before the next debate and to hurt his election uh, possibilities. But
3: how would you get past, how would you get past those people? Every single president in the modern age, excuse me, every single U.S. president in the modern age has had someone try to get to them for one reason or another. It is very difficult. Well, uh,
2: I hear you. However, in this scenario, all you need is somebody who is definitely infected, Mm -hmm. who is going to be at one of these places where PPE precautions are not being taken. And it's Mm -hmm. almost all of them. So That's all you need is what, get one person in that you know is going to have close contact mm-hmm. with either the president, the first lady, or you know his assistant, mm-hmm. an aide, somebody who's going
0: to be preparing for the debates with him. It's just well. And and surely, you know, with these fundraiser events for these high-level folks, I mean, I can't imagine they're requiring everyone to present a negative COVID test, you Mm -hmm. know, before gaining uh, admittance to this thing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I I, I highly doubt that, especially considering – the attitude the administration has had towards a lot of this stuff and the fact that they're doing these indoor events or indoor outdoor. I mean, most of them have been outdoor events, but there have been a few of these that are in, there's an indoor portion. And that was the one with the select group of high level donors that spent a lot of money to, to be, to be at this thing. And Matt, yeah. I, I, I realize I am seeing this uh, in this uh, BBC list, the idea of the intentional infection, but it, it doesn't go into that specifically uh, as much as it does the idea that his public appearances have been a body double which is something right. we always hear about when it comes to, like, you know, Kim Jong-un, for example, potentially being dead or <laughs> ill and, uh, you know, um, being misleading the public into thinking that he's fine Ooh. by having a body double of some sort.
3: That's tough. I, I, I do want to, before we move on to that one, I want to go back, though, because I, I'm delighted— conspiratorial part of me is delighted by the idea of someone purposely spreading COVID. It's kind of ridiculous because COVID has a very, has a lower fatality rate, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he is in the comorbidity demographic. He definitely has a higher chance of dying than uh, a lot of the people listening to the show today. But, um, but it doesn't seem very uh, effective, you know, unless it's a PR war. I, I don't understand the efficacy, but to your point, about the body double. Um, do they have any like proposed evidence or is it just like literally a BBC thing where they're saying some people have said this? It's just
0: tweets. Uh, okay. you know, to, from accounts of of Democratic supporters, I with, with lots of you know retweets, thousands of retweets. Mm. Um, and, you know, of course we know body double conspiracies are super common, or even uh, leveled at uh, Hillary Clinton um, when she was the Democratic nominee when uh, she was she fell ill, you know, for for that brief period of time, and I believe had to either cancel a debate or or yeah, there was a whole thing, and 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 Donald Trump uh, really jumped on that and even kind of openly mocked her. for being sick and sort of made mm-hmm. fun of her coughing and saying i can't breathe and all this stuff which has not aged particularly well uh when it's being used now uh, you know given the circumstances
3: sure yeah this i mean it's it's true we have to be careful uh words have power and uh that's that's why so much of our uh legal system is centered on the idea that your words can be used against you later right mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, it, it honestly makes sense that that kind of statement would come back to haunt someone. Uh, there's something else you were saying though, Noel, that I had not heard of uh, until right before we went to air, you were talking about this, or when we we're on a break. Uh, we know that the president was administered supplemental oxygen, right? And we that do. the doctors, yeah, the doctors had eventually confirmed that after giving some conflicting, really weasel word accounts. Uh, but, but what's this about a what's this about a, like a secret oxygen tank? This was news to me.
0: Yeah, there's, you know, there there's footage of, of the president boarding Marine One uh, to, to make his way to the hospital for his treatment to, to Walter Reed. And, you know, there's some folks that uh, have posted images of this and zooming in on his uh, you know, a, a suit jacket pocket is is large, can be large. And uh, zooming in and highlighting that there's something bulging in there. Um, and the implication is that it was a secret oxygen tank. And then also zooming in on his ear behind his mask. And you can kind of see uh, a uh, something running up behind his mask that isn't just the, the elastic bands of the mask itself. Um, so. Uh, well, hopefully that's his secret service you know, super awesome connection that all spies and presidents get, right? One, one would one would certainly hope. And then this feeds into the idea that of of downplaying all of this stuff. And, and and the BBC article sort of compares it to this idea that Joe Biden was wearing an earpiece um that helped him during the debate. We've seen that come up before in past debates. But but you know, I I, I tend to not truly think there's much sand to that either, but but it is something that's being thrown around.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, another another concept that's coming out of the QAnon space right now is that this is all a trick that President Trump and those close to him are playing on, uh, on everybody to try and, you know, move forward with some of the arrests that are supposed to be happening.
3: 4D chess. Yeah. Take that, Star Trek. I don't know, man.
2: I don't know. I mean part of me wants that to be true like so badly wants that to be true that all of this is one big real QAnon thing like it's all real and it's all been a stage play but um, the majority of me knows that that's not
3: true sadly the Guardian and, has, has a good one on that Matt mm-hmm. the oh, idea, yeah yeah. the idea that um, and they quote QAnon followers on this uh their, their idea, at least as reported in The Guardian, is that COVID-19 itself is a hoax that was meant to deflect attention from a Satan-worshipping child abuser ring operated by Hillary Clinton and various elites, and that Trump is actually pretending to have COVID, even though it's a hoax. I feel like I need a whiteboard. And yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's been pretending to have COVID, even though it's a hoax, because it's a step in some obtuse plan to ultimately arrest uh, uh, Clinton is like the main person they point out, but there are yeah. numerous others. I'm sure Barack Obama is mentioned or other like historical, uh, historically important Democrats who would be seen as uh, opponents of the current Republican Uh, administration. It makes you wonder though, Jimmy Carter doesn't get mentioned in a lot of those, does he? Hmm. No.
0: And and just by the way, I I just was looking a little further into this secret oxygen tank thing. And uh, Snopes came right up um, showing that the stills uh, that indicate this bulge and like a a screen grab or a photograph of a a television news broadcast showing this wire running up this uh, the president's ear were doctored and that this is absolute bunk. Um, So just putting that out there. But, you know, people, Mm. the, the, the imagination runs wild and people have all kinds of agendas to your point, Ben, of. How do how do you spin this in a way that uh, is beneficial to a cause, one cause or another, or uh, enemies you know that are looking for a foothold? Guys, can
2: I bring one last thing up? And I know we need to to wrap. We're going long. Apologies, everyone, but also you're welcome. Um, Twitter. I want to talk about what happened on Twitter when the president announced that he and Melania had coronavirus. Mm. So many people were lightly and heavily wishing I'll just say it: death upon the mm-hmm. sitting president. Um, and then Twitter came forward and said, Hey guys, you can't do that. Uh, don't put death, you know, wishes or don't put death threats or this kind of inappropriate stuff on Twitter. And then the backlash that came back from Twitter users across the planet who have experienced their own death threats, light or otherwise. Um, and how nothing was done, even though those were reported. There was a fascinating exchange that began happening on Friday and over the weekend, um, Mm -hmm. that's still being fought on one of the largest social media networks that exists. Um, but just that concept of, I don't know, wishing death on a sitting president is something that is not allowed, or at least threatening. You're not allowed to threaten. I think wishing death and threatening are two very different things, sure,
3: right, yeah. It's weird because it's it's something we've run into before in past there was an odd language problem uh with Farsi and English about death to insert here mm-hmm. It's so crazy because if you talk to someone who speaks Farsi, it's like um it, it, saying death to is a lot like saying. Uh, down with yeah well not even that it's like saying um, it's like the way we say this in English it's like saying traffic it's not that like to us in English death too means I hope someone finds you (laughs) and slowly ends your life Uh, but in other languages at least in in Farsi it's more like uh, screw this I think it's bad uh, which doesn't make you know. I, I think it's it would be naive to say people who speak Farsi are not well aware of what of how how much heavier of an impact that has in English, but the idea of death to in Twitter is also very close to something that uh, this administration was already pushing for, which is making social media platforms liable for the statements. of their users right you guys remember that oh for Mm -hmm. sure
0: and that's that's a big deal um and i I do want to point out too that uh i do think it's a little bit interesting that you know a lot of trump supporters i think really value trump's ability to kind of trash talk liberals and, and his detractors very effectively and kind of rile people up and get under people's skin by saying some pretty inflammatory things and leveling insults and giving people these, you know, kind of offensive nicknames. Um, But now all of a sudden when the tables have turned and people are, you know, maybe pointing out the uh, somewhat ironic nature of Trump coming down with this uh, condition that he has been so adamant about not being that big a deal (laughs) Um, it seems like there's some hypocrisy there, too, where folks are saying, you know, these people are horrible people for speaking ill of the president, you know, when he's a sick man, uh, when Trump has openly uh, criticized folks for wearing masks and having certain conditions and things like that.
3: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Let's also, you know, let's not forget that we are talking about one very important person, whomever is the president of the United States at any given time. Is a very important person. And uh, by nature of their position, they're also a very dangerous person. That's not a value judgment about them as individuals. It's a value judgment about that position. One thing that I think is missing from the conversation is the over 200,000 confirmed COVID 19 deaths here in the United States. It shouldn't take one person, no matter how important, getting COVID 19 for us to care about hundreds of thousands of other people who are never going to be able to speak about their ultimate firsthand experience with COVID-19 ever again, unless somebody really does pierce the mortal veil, unless a Ouija board really does work, those people are dead. Uh, and, and you know, of course, of course there are conspiratorial things about this. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I keep thinking over and over, like, ah. I don't think it could be a hoax. There're too many players. You know what I mean? There're too many doctors, there're right. too many people who are involved at this point, but I don't know the degree of that infection. And I don't think I don't think a lot of us do. I don't think that's going to come out yet for a while, you know. Maybe yeah. 3 weeks from now, maybe 4 weeks, maybe after the election. I don't know. We're just in such a sensitive time as a nation right now.
0: It feels just like, I mean, it would have leaked, you know, uh, they had to get ahead of it. They had to own the narrative um, and that's what they did. And I think, you know, to your point about the the people, the 200,000 plus people who can never speak about their experience again, they've already, the administration's kind of spun it. Um, there's a tweet that you sent us, Ben, where another surrogate from the Trump administration pointed out how now Trump has firsthand experience in this struggle that joe biden could never have and it's almost the implication that they're, they're spinning it as like this is a good thing that's going to help him fight the disease better and the i don't know it's, it's well not-
2: yeah i mean if we if we all get if we all had access to experimental antiviral cocktails then yeah maybe we would be all better off
3: I mean, would we? That's they're still experimental. We have to remember that. You know what I mean? That's a, like that's a that's inherently yeah, a risky a good thing. Um, a good point. But it gives you it gives you time to think. These are these are very very important and crucial issues uh, because we are not talking about to be very very clear. We're not talking really about an individual, whatever they're. uh, perceived virtues or vices may be. We're talking about someone who is the public face of a superpower. We're talking about the role and the position of the president of the United States. And with that in mind, I wish we could fast forward as a group to October 12th and then back and and tell ourselves what's going to happen, because I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, How many years long is this week going to be?
2: (laughs) You know what I mean? Approximately 2.4. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wow. As we travel
3: at the speed of fright. (laughs) Closer to Halloween. happy Halloween. (laughs) And and with that, we want to hear from you. Uh, What do you think is the true story here? Is it what we are being told? by the PR folks, by the uh, medical professionals Walter Reed, by the various pundits and observers? Or is there something more to the story? If so, what? Let us know. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, drop by and give us a line at Here's Where It Gets Crazy, our community Facebook page.
2: If you don't want to do that, call our number 1-833-STD-WYTK. wytk D W Y T K. You're gonna leave a voicemail. You have to tell us, you don't have to tell us your name, but just let us know if we can say your message or play it on the air. That's really the most vital thing there. Anything you want to say, just leave that message. If you don't want to do that, check out our reinvigorated YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash conspiracy stuff.
3: Regeneron. Your it's channel. Regeneron.
0: Sounds like the name of a transformer or something, doesn't it? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Hey, and guess what? If you don't want to do that either, we have one last way to connect to us. It's super easy, a little old-fashioned, but
3: it works. Our email is... Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com
0: $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash
2: concertweek to buy now.
0: That's Livenation.comslash concertweek to buy now.
4: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime
2: not available in idaho iowa or south dakota it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist
1: pumper